It is Thursday, the 30th day of September, 2021, and earlier this week, there was a climate-related protest in front of the home of uh, Governor Charlie Baker. Uh, his home is up in Swampscott. It's on the water, North Shore. Uh, what this particular group did was park a boat, a pink boat, which was on a trailer, in the street in front of his house. I mentioned it was... Uh, did I mention it was pink? I don't know if I did or not. Anyways, the boat was pink, and it had uh, the words climate emergency painted on it. The town is on the water, as I mentioned, and the thinking is that eventually Charlie's house will be waterfront as uh, ocean levels rise over time. I think it's a, a clever protest, and I think a very well-made point. But at what point does a protest like this become counterintuitive? Uh, the folks behind the whole uh, thing are anti-fossil fuels, and their big thing is that Chuck is chummy with a number of ill-intentioned fossil fuel companies. Aren't all fossil fuel companies ill-intentioned? Yes, that's true. Uh, there's a handful of projects around the state, one in East Boston over by the airport, another in Weymouth, uh, a couple others on the western part of the state uh, that they have more specific complaints about. And could Chuck do a little bit more to maybe put put a uh, a bit more of a, a thumb on these projects or, you know, uh, the outright kibosh on these? Uh, sure, I guess he could. He's only one man. Granted, he is the governor of the state, but still. Now, having said that, I have a number of issues with this particular protest itself, the way that they did it. All right, hear me out. I suspect that the large trailered sailboat was driven there by a large truck that uses some kind of gasoline, which during its journey put uh, more carbon monoxide and nitrous oxide into the, into the atmosphere. The paint that they used to paint the boat pink and then white, was it a paint with no volatile compounds? And how did these people actually get to Swampscott? I'll assume they didn't walk. And look, I get it. You don't like how the planet is is going, and uh, I'm all for. I'm with you. I'm in. I'm in full agreement. I don't. I you know. I'm more of a. Uh, you know, plastic bothers me more than, um, you know, like, car exhaust and some shit. Because I think, personally, I think the bigger problems are plastic and the lack of clean water. Those are the two biggest bugaboos for me. But that's just me. It's different for everybody. So in this particular instance, this particular protest, particular, 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 uh, is only going to end up being a blip on the 6 o'clock news and then maybe the following morning. But other than that, you've just become a meme. And I won't pretend to have all the answers, but there has to be a better way to make these uh, somewhat valid complaints heard. Attending uh, public hearings is probably boring, but 
likely more effective. Uh, shit, run for public office. That way you'd be in a position, uh, you know, to create change instead of handcuffing yourself to a fucking boat on the side of the road. All that and more on episode number 92. The telephone code plus 92 episode. <laughs> you get way up here in these high numbers and what can you do? I don't even know what the fuck I'm going to do after 100. Maybe I'll just start again. I don't know. Maybe I'll come up with another intro. But so anyways, telephone code plus 92. If you get a call from a number with the 92 code, do not answer the fucking thing and immediately block that number straight away. 92 is the code uh, for Pakistan. And while not everyone in Pakistan is attempting to commit fraud over the phone, it's all you fucking crazy-ass people. It's not how it works. Not everybody in Pakistan is a terrible person. There are assorted miscreants worldwide that use the 92 to make calls and try to rip you off. So, if you happen to uh, get a, a phone call that has that, um, that telephone prefix, do not answer the phone. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. That's all right here, right now, on Complaints and Observations. Still, the most less than average podcast on the internet. With a host who's the smartest person in the room, when he's the only one there. A continuing odyssey into mediocrity. Guaranteed to make you question your life choices and your own sanity. This is Complaints and Observations. With Dave LaPointe. Who the hell is Dave LaPointe? Hello and a happy Thursday to you. How's it going? Hope you're well. I have a handful of complaints and observations to share with you today. And once again, uh, putting out the uh, the siren call, if you will, to have people call into the complaint line, 617-657-4736. And for the fifth week in a row, not a single call. Again, I this is the part that I don't understand. I think it's a great fucking idea. It's a great idea. I don't get it. It's very strange, you know? What can you do? You, know, you just kind of hope that eventually it sticks. That's the goal. So as I said, a ton uh, of complaints. It's a, it's, I think it's a fair mix of, of both complaints and observations this week. Uh, one complaint right off the jump, the Red Sox blow. Uh, they don't deserve to make the playoffs. And quite frankly, I hope they don't, because this is why I said at the beginning of the year to hammer the under, they got fucking lucky. They had a rabbit's foot in their ass for the first half of the season. 
and they completely fucking screwed my my bit, my bet, my gig, you name it. You know, they they win a bunch of games in a row with, with yellow uniforms on and people make a big deal out of it. Now the Yankees are winning games because they fucking adopted a turtle. That's right, a turtle. They have a pet turtle. And they've been kicking ass ever since they got this fucking turtle. So it has nothing to do with the actual baseball. It's just uniforms and turtles. Sure. Uh, Tom Brady's coming back to town. I figured I'd get all the sports out of the way uh, right from the from the jump, okay? But Tom Brady's coming back to town. This is not entirely a sports story. I mean, obviously it is a sports story, but um, he's coming back to Foxborough and making shitty T-shirts, introducing his uh, overpriced clothing line for skinny dudes. Um, so, you know, typical... 2020, 2021 Tom Brady type shit. I'm sure they'll come in here and steamroll the Pats, but what can you do? Uh, the Patriots aren't that good. They're just they're just not that good. Sad to say it. I think they could end up being a little bit better than they've been for the past three weeks, but who the hell knows? We shall see. Um, might be. Um, we've been trying to sell these goddamn tickets. Couldn't sell them. And the price is dropping like a fucking stone. So it looks like we'll be uh, going to the Sunday night game, which Sunday night games suck. They're just not, they're not fun because it's like, a, it's a whole day affair. It's a whole day affair. Just kind of annoying, but what can you do? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's going to be a little bit closer than people think. I don't think it's going to be an absolute blowout. I do think the Bucks will probably cover. The line last I saw it was like seven and a half. I think if it gets over that, I might jump on the pats, but I don't see that happening. All the numbers that I've seen thus far, granted they're just tweets, but um, where it's something like 90 to 95% of the money is on the bucks. And then, uh, what was it? Anywhere from 60 to 70% of the money is on the over. So heavy, heavy, heavy favorites, which is why I think the, the line is going to move. And the over-under will start to move as well. So jump on the pats. If it gets to about eight and a half, then I would say take the points. Um, but it, it, And I've tweeted this a couple times at Complaints Pod on Twitter. You should check that out, that I really think thus far the adult in the room has been Bill Belichick. I think he's been cordial. He's been uh, you know, somewhat calculated and precise in what he has said. And rightfully so, where, you know, Tom has been rambling on and talking about a bunch of crap and doing a bunch of interviews and putting out clothing lines and shit and dumb t-shirts. And, you know, look, he knows he has the better team. So I think that's probably why he's doing that. But at the same time, I think, you know, Bill is being smart by just heaping praise on him, uh, you know, making it like it's a regular week. Regular game, talked a little bit about it, uh, this press conference on Wednesday to say, look, you know, my relationship with Tom is fine. It's always been fine. No big deal moving on. But then you have muckrakers like Seth Wickersham, uh, whose book doesn't come out till next month, but he drops a few of these fucking fifth-hand quotes. So, I don't know. It's just one of these things that I, I'm just tired of it. I've done, I've done pretty well. 
ignoring most of the media hype behind it because quite frankly it's a, it's nauseating so can't do it um and then the other thing Kyrie Irving again I've talked about Kyrie Irving before for such an immensely talented athlete the poor kid I think he's not a stupid person okay I I don't think he's stupid by any means I think one I think he's very selfish uh no one loves Kyrie Irving more than Kyrie Irving and I think he's just easily misled and misguided. So, you know, all this stuff about the vaccine and, and look, if you want to sit there and say that, you know, you don't need to take the vaccine and that COVID is not a big deal and this, that, and the other. All right, fine. You know, you're, you're entitled to your uh, various opinions. I disagree with most of it. But at the same time, we're talking about a business now. The NBA is a business. The New Jersey Nets are a business. New Jersey Nets. The Brooklyn Nets are a business. And if they tell the employee that you need to do this in order to uh, to play, well, then you have a choice to make. Either you do it or you don't. And the NBA, I think, is, is being good about that and making the choice for him. But he's going to pull a power play like a lot of these guys do. He's not going to be able to play games in, in, uh, in New York because of their mandate. He's going to miss a bunch of road games. Uh, like if he comes to Boston, he has to be vaccinated or take a bunch of tests. And it's just like, okay, what are you going to do? And then if you miss games, you're not going to get paid. The NBA came out and said that on, on Wednesday. So it's a choice, you know, and it's a, it, it's just Kyrie loves to try to be the smartest person in the room. And again, not a dumb person, but he's sabotaging his team. He's hurting his team. And it makes me wonder if the rest of the team actually gives a fuck. Or do they look at this as a power struggle too? You know, it's one thing to have the power on the court, which honestly, players in every sport need more power than they already have. But what he's doing and what a handful of other people are doing, other players are doing, by, you know, this big anti-vax stance uh, you're just you're sabotaging the entire league. You're sabotaging your team, your teammates. Uh, you're not doing anybody any favors here. And, and not to mention, you can get sick. And look again, please don't don't yell, don't give me this bullshit about them being young and healthy and this that and the other. Jason Tatum is having issues still. He had COVID. Uh, Eddie Rodriguez from the Red Sox, that poor guy had heart issues. And who the fuck knows what's going to come down down the line for him? Who knows? It's just, you know, it, it's you, you can give me this bullshit about it being, you know, their choice and this, that, and the other. And then you have fuckers like Ted Cruz coming out and saying, well, you know, uh, it's, it's you know, your body, your choice. Unless you're a woman, in which case, fuck off. Uh, but... It, it's just, it's crazy, and, and it puts the NBA and the Nets in a really shitty spot. And uh, it just shows that he doesn't care. He doesn't give a fuck. And that's my biggest issue. Clearly, you, you're so selfish, you don't give two shits about anybody but yourself. 
you're putting yourself in a shitty spot, but even more so, you're putting a lot of other people in a shitty spot. And, and they just don't care. It's not good. So you've probably heard um, the story, or at least I've, I hope you've heard the story, about the Dutch artist who was commissioned to, to create two... Uh, new pieces for a museum where they paid, they gave him $84,000 in cash. And apparently this artist had done work in the past where they took money, actual money, and used it to create something on a canvas. Again, as I've mentioned multiple times on this program, art is entirely subjective. So what does this fucking wise ass do? When it comes time to uh, to you know for the museum to collect their paintings or their works of art, I should say, he gives them two blank canvases. Called it "Take the Money and Run." Two things here. One, it's it's brilliant. If, but only if you know the backstory. And and two, I mean, obviously the museum is is, is pissed off. It's like, hey, we gave you eighty four grand, and this is what you gave us. But the story and the press that they've got from this is probably worth way more than eighty four thousand dollars. This artist is now going to be like, people are going to think he's a fucking genius. Because he came up with this clever idea to do nothing and uh, collect, you know, $83,985 because the canvases probably cost him 15 bones. This is my art problem. Like, the fact that this guy, and here's the thing, you don't know. You don't know if he's just a straight up thief. Which, in the real world, if somebody gave you $85,000 for anything and got back nothing, you're a thief. But in the art world, you know, it's going to be looked at differently. Uh, those two canvases are going to float around for a while. The museum, if they're smart, they take the fucking things, they hang them up, they put a plaque with the, with the backstory behind it, and guess what? Uh, two years down the road, they sell it for way more than fucking $84,000. And people are going to go and look at it and be like, oh, that's the two canvases that fucking Dutch Magoo uh, stole the money for. That's exactly what's going to fucking happen here. And the museum will play dumb and, and be like, well, you know, we wanted to make sure that we... We get what we asked for. We asked for works of art, and we want them. That'll be the public angle, but behind the scenes, they're like, oh, this is fucking brilliant. Well, you know, they'll they'll say, well, you know, Dutcho McFuckamall will uh, didn't want to didn't want to do the work, so we're gonna hang him up and expose him, expose him for the fraud that he is, the thief. That he is. I mean, but it's not like they're going to fucking press charges, right? They're not going to say, well, you know. If they do, then they're fucking stupid. Because, again, 
Art is entirely subjective. I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand times again. It's fucking a scam. The whole thing's a scam. Uh, all of it surrounding it is a scam because what I see is different when everybody else sees and every single person interprets art differently. There's no set standard. And that's my complaint. You know, I try, I, I, I tend to kind of look at things in a black and white manner where in the, the art world it's very gray. And I don't mean that at all as a, as a, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is at the, at the moment, but Oh, fuck, why am I so tired? Oh, man, see? Talking about art puts me to fucking sleep. It's boring. It sucks. Nobody, you know... I mean, it, the stereotype for, like, art people, you know what it is. It's the, the skinny guy with the round uh, uh, rimmed glasses... Standing there with his uh, two fingers slowly caressing his goatee. Mm, yeah, look at the uh, the shading there is magnificent, and the angles are terrific. Mm, see, and then he's always with like a taller girl. <laughs> the girl that he's with is taller, and has like a, like a, I don't even know what you'd call it, but like straight short hair, way too much makeup, dressed in garishly bright clothing. Yes, darling. That's, you know, that's a stupid stereotype, right? I don't think I'm that far off, but it's a stereotype nonetheless. Ah, the soothing, gentle sounds of strumming an acoustic guitar. Really has nothing to do with this ad at all, but I just want to let you know I have some merchandise at the merch store. Bonfire.com slash store slash complaints. You see, I've made that web address a tad easier. It's still too long, but I don't have any other way to change it, so please indulge me, if you will. I have a few shirts up for sale, including the brand new tagline, The Village Idiot Has Spoken. That's about it, really. But listen, do yourself a favor. Go to the store, buy a t-shirt, show the world that you don't give a solitary shit about what you listen to on a regular basis. That's bonfire.com slash store slash complaints and get your Complaints and Observations merch today. All right, I've got three more, like, general observations here. Very worldly today. I don't know why, but that's just the way it is. All right. The Wall Street Journal the other day had a um, an article about the Taliban. And uh, the, the article is essentially where the, the supreme leaders of the Taliban were, were telling their rank-and-file soldiers to, hey, uh, cut the shit. Stop acting like normal people. You see, once Kabul uh, was uh, vacated by, you know, uh, protective forces, 
which it had been for the past 20 years. So what happened was Kabul was becoming a very sort of, uh, you know, forward-thinking, metropolitan-ish uh, city, you know, uh, a bit more worldly, if you will. Uh, there was, you know, actual business. There was, uh, you know, universities, hospitals, uh, zoos, parks, you know, a, a, a generally nicer <clears throat> than you would think part of, of the world. The best place? No. Better than it was in, say, the 80s and the 70s? Probably. But uh, once all the uh, American forces and the worldwide forces vacated uh, the city and the Taliban basically swooped in without a shot being fired, you know, uh, you had Taliban soldiers who, some of whom had never been to Kabul. They get to the city and they're like, holy fuck, what is this place? And they start, get this, enjoying themselves. Because they're just, you know, they're mostly normal people. They just happen to, you know, be a bit brainwashed and fall within this sort of uh, fear uh, bubble, if you will, that the Taliban has created. And, and that that particular, their, their style of, of governing, if you will, is uh, not really cohesive. For, for normalcy. So, that, you know, a couple of the things they said was stop taking selfies and posting them to social media. Like, how fucking normal is that? These guys are going to, like, amusement parks, riding uh, roller coasters and fucking Ferris wheels and bumper cars and going to zoos and, like, parks, having picnics, shit like that. It just kind of goes to show you how how similar they are to the vast, vast, vast majority of people on this planet, where they just want to fucking live. Just want to live. Most of them, not all of them, let's be fair, not all of them, but most of them. Probably, you know, I would say a solid 95% of them just, they don't want to be bothered with fighting other people's fucking wars. They just want to fucking enjoy life. You know, but then, you know, this guy comes out and says, hey, stop enjoying life. And now, you know, who knows? Maybe that'll snap them back into being willing, you know, suicide bombers or whatever it is the fuck that they're going to be doing. But it was a fascinating look at uh, what that side uh, of the conflict is up to now that there's no there's no conflict anymore where you know, one side of the battle has vacated the premises after 20 years of, of kind of sitting there. And what it is that they're doing now. It's very interesting. I, I am very interested in seeing what the next, say, five to 10 years are going to be like there. Are they going to, is, is there going to be like a civil war where, you know, a lot of people are like, fuck, we don't want to be doing this anymore. We don't want to keep fighting constantly. Like we have been in this particular part of the world for the last hundred plus fucking years. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Granted, already they're being fucking shitty, but you knew that the Taliban, because they're the Taliban, were going to be shitty. But I thought, I would, and I was hoping it would take a little bit longer, but they're already fucking hanging guys by cranes in public square. So probably not. However, that was a very interesting article, and I found it 
a tad fascinating. So see how that plays out. Never did you think that you, when you listen to this fucking shit ass podcast, that I would talk about the goddamn Taliban riding Ferris wheels. Oh, maybe you did. If you did, I it's awesome. I hope you did. That would say a lot more about me than you, but still. Um, <clears throat> YouTube is a a wide open rabbit hole. It is a, a massive rabbit hole, and if you fall down it, you're fucked. So I mentioned the other day how I fell down a, a Norm Macdonald uh, rabbit hole. And so because I've been in, you know, watching YouTube, I'm getting a lot more YouTube ads in my social media, in my Twitter, in my Instagram. Not Facebook, because fuck Facebook. Um, and there was one that popped up. I, I think it was Instagram. In my Instagram stories. And it said, uh, four ways to start your real estate investing journey. With $1,000. I'm like, oh. All right. Let's let's see what dude on YouTube has to say. Because if there's anything that's uh, 100% accurate, it's random dudes on YouTube. So I'm watching this. And look, automatically I'm a tad skeptical because unless you're Carlton Sheets, what exactly can you promise me real estate-wise for $1,000? So he's got four tips, okay? Tip number one, invest in the stock market. Well, that's not, you know, basically his, his thing was, hey, uh, put your money in the stock market so you can make more money so that you have more to invest. Uh, okay. All right. Tip number two, keep saving. Huh. All right. Well, well, you know we're we're zero for two now. I mean, you said I was I was I was going to be able to start my journey with a thousand dollars, and you want me to. The first two were, hey, have more than a thousand dollars. Okay. Well, let's see. Let's let's turn the page here. Uh, number three, uh, find a partner. Find a partner. Huh. So am I taking that thousand dollars and buying someone? No, I'm I'm basically looking around for somebody with more than a thousand dollars. That was uh, okay. That was tip number three. So we're over three now. Well, hopefully, look, we got one more. See what happens. Uh, tip number four: get seller financing. Now, if you're not familiar with seller financing, and I wasn't until I stumbled upon genius tip number four, seller financing is basically, you know, knocking on the door uh, of whomever may own a piece of property and saying, hey, let's let's forget about the bank. Let's let's forget about a bank. And how about you let me buy your property and I'll pay you the mortgage and the interest rate. Well, if that if the first three weren't pie in the sky enough, tip number four rolls in with an even more pie in the sky thing. And I'm sure you can find it. I'm sure, it's not completely out of the question. I'm sure it's not something that's so fucking random 
to to an in, in, a real estate uh, know nothing such as myself, but this shitbag on YouTube had the nuts to say to title his fucking thing four ways to start your journey, and then gave you literally nothing. This guy's sitting outside, like in the in the in the desert somewhere, hasn't cut his hair or shaved in God knows how long. This crunchy looking fuck. A five minute video that basically just says, keep trying or find people that'll put up with your fucking poor ass who have money to blow. And this guy had like 2,000 followers, 2,000 subscribers, I sh should say, on YouTube. And, you know, obviously spent the money to advertise on Instagram and then got uh, twice as many people to watch this video. And it made me wonder how many fucking people watch that and then have the same reaction that I did, which was on what fucking planet is this guy thinking that what his fucking title of his video has anything to do with what he's talking about? Yeah, I'm looking at the comments and like the, the first comment was great tips and it had like 40 thumbs up. I'm like, all right, that's, that's a plant. There's nothing to that. But it sort of ties into what I was talking about earlier with all this fucking vaccine shit where you have these uh, purported experts coming on YouTube spouting shit that has zero value. Everything that guy said had no value whatsoever. To anybody that was sitting there with, let's say there's someone sitting with $1,000 in his hand or her hand and saying, this is going to be my path to financial salvation. <laughs> this guy on YouTube is going to tell me how to do it. So just stop using fucking YouTube as anything more than, you know, funny videos. Uh, what else do they have on fucking YouTube? Makeup tutorials, music videos. Uh, fat bearded dummies yapping into microphones. I wish there was more of a point to that entire observation, but there really wasn't. It was just, that's fucking bullshit. Don't fucking do that. Like, how does that guy sleep at night? He, you know, he finishes up his video, he's editing, he's, let's put that up there, puts it up, gets a bunch of views. And then he fucking lays down. He's like, ah, I've done a good thing for the day. Yeah. Then goes to sleep. I just can't imagine this misleading someone. That's why I don't tell people that my podcast is any good. Because I don't want to mislead anyone. Because it's terrible. So I'm being honest. Unlike this other fucking uh, observation that I have. When people who are already doing shit that they love tell you that you shouldn't do shit that you hate. In theory, it's great advice. It's much more difficult in practice, and that's the part that they've always left out. The ones that I always find interesting are people who, who say you have to, you have to enjoy the grind to get to where you want to be to the you need to enjoy that process so 
as cliche as it is, uh, and the 76ers and, and Joel Embiid have uh, really fucking screwed this up for everybody, but the phrase trust the process is it's apt. Because there's far too many of these phony self-help fuckos telling you, hey, if you don't love what you're doing, just quit. Or if you don't love what you're doing, you need to fucking find something that, that you love. It doesn't really exist. Because there's always, even if you say, hey, you know, my dream is to be a uh, fucking professional soccer player. The amount of work and the amount of time to get to that point is is way more than when you sign that first contract. Because what do you do? You work your ass off for fucking 19, 20 years. Let's say you're 20 years old and you sign a professional contract with the... Uh, with fucking... I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a rando... Professional team, but I can't. Whatever. Other point. You sign with like a middling USL two franchise, and you're making fifteen thousand dollars a year. But now you're a professional soccer player, so you've got to that point. You're not going to quit. You're not going to stop. It's not as if the goal is to get to this point, and now you're done. No, no fucking way. So to hear people constantly say you need to find what you love and then do it, it doesn't work that way. It's entirely disingenuous. It's misleading. What they should do is say, have your goal and then fall in love with the steps and the business and all the bullshit that it's going to take to get to that goal. And then, and then realize that once you do get there, if you get there, there's going to be another set of, of bullshit and work and grind that you're going to need to do to even just maintain that particular achievement that you've made. Getting there is it, the hard work that they put in to get to that point. They always leave that part out. And it's funny, the amount of shit that I've read over the past 18 months or so about podcasting. I subscribe to a lot of these different folks that put out newsletters about podcasting and what you should do to be successful and this, that, and the other. Some of them are very honest, and some of them will say, look, you're going to go for a very long time only having four listeners if your show stinks. So you need to spend time figuring out how to make your show not stink. Well, okay. If if you don't get the four people to engage in what it is that you're doing, your show is going to stink. Still, no matter what you do, even though you have a decent uh, idea, like, you know, hey, here's the complaint line, 617-657-4736. Call in, complain. Observe. But it's all the work that you have to put in to get to that point. To get to that fifth, sixth, seventh listener. It's a lot of work involved. You know, and this rando podcast guy is not going to be able to tell you 
because uh, and then he loses his credi- credibility if all of a sudden he starts putting in there, well, look, this is hard. It's not easy. Well, okay, no problem. That was a rambling 17 minutes of nothing, right? I don't even want to call it content because it wasn't. I had a few good points in there, right? At least I think so. The whole idea is, you know, again, I'm observing shit. I'm talking about the observations that I'm making. That's the whole point of the program, complaining and observing. (laughs) Observizing. Boy, this fucking episode sucks assholes, huh? Holy shit. Oh, if you're still here, thank you. I appreciate it, but I'm terribly, terribly sorry. Because this is garbage. All right, as it is Thursday, it is time for three gripes. Everyone's favorite portion of the program. I don't think that's accurate, but who knows? Um, So, gripe number one, neighbors. I don't think I've made this gripe previously, but I may have. Uh, But here's a question, okay? Why Why are all neighbors weird? And I don't mean that in a specific sense, but in a general sense, where when you're talking to someone who talks about their neighbors, and like, yeah, they're kind of weird. They're always weird. If you think you're not a weird neighbor, I hate to break it to you, but you probably are. doesn't mean you're a shitty neighbor, because shitty neighbors are completely different. For example, I have a, a couple of neighbors here who seem like super nice people don't really know them because they're neighbors they're they're a bit weird are they shitty no got a couple of other neighbors on the other side who i think are shitty i'm not sure but i know they're weird that's just how it goes and my guess is you know that that all the neighbors here think you know my wife and i are weird well we're in our 40s we don't have kids I don't see any kids over there. They must be weird. Oh, what's going on? Who's the old lady? She lived there too? Oh, that's weird. That's typically how it goes. The old lady in this particular instance is my mother-in-law because she lives here too. So it makes me wonder, do they think, do all of our neighbors think that we're weird? Well, the answer is yes, because that's just what neighbors are. They're all weird. If you intimately know, that's the wrong word. (laughs) If you know your neighbors well, then you probably know that for sure they're weird. That's okay. That's, that's, That's okay. You could have normal neighbors, but I think that would be even more weird than not having weird neighbors, you know? Just don't have shitty neighbors. The other reason this came up is because my poor mother, my poor mother lives in a very small apartment. And uh, there's there's a handful of uh, other apartments in this house. And one of her neighbors is a younger guy uh, and likes to make lots of noise at inopportune times of the evening. So, like, you know, 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, he's making a ton of noise. Uh, she'll go out to put trash out <laughs> some days, and the fucking trash barrels will just be 
full of empty pizza boxes and beer bottles. And she feels the need to tell me about this every single time. Now, that particular neighbor is weird and shitty. Like, if you're loud and you live in an apartment and you're sharing walls, you can't be loud because then that makes you shitty. My mother has an upstairs neighbor who loves to uh, leave the house at 4.30 in the morning to go jogging every day. That's the only noise, apparently, though, that she makes is when she's, like, running down the fucking back steps of the house at 4.30 in the morning. It's kind of loud. So I don't think that's shitty. I think that's weird. But occasionally it wakes my poor mother up, in which case that becomes shitty. So it's a half and half thing. It's not really shitty. It's just too weird. There are a number of levels here. You can be friends with your neighbors. For example, uh, my friend uh, Matt and Shannon, their neighbors, uh, the Bagleys, super people. They're great, but guess what? They're a little weird. Not in a bad way, though. See? That's a good weird. And they're not even really that weird, but, you know, they're kind of, but not really. See what I mean? It's a hierarchy of weird for neighbors. And then once you get to a certain level and become shitty, it's over. You don't associate with them talk shit about them all the time you complain about them and if, if that becomes a problem then you got to pack up and move because i think once once a neighbor goes from weird to shitty the entire dynamic of the neighborhood has changed now you gotta go gripe number two shitness if you're not familiar with the shit nest Two words, shit and then nest, N-E-S-T, shit nest. It's when you or someone else is using a public restroom and they use uh, multiple layers of toilet paper over the seat so that their skin is not touching seat or bowl or anything else. That is called a shit nest. There are few things worse than having to use the public or somewhat public restroom at an inopportune time and finding a shit nest still on the bowl. What do you do here? What do you do? Are you responsible for cleaning someone else's shit nest? No. If you build a shit nest in a bathroom, okay? Part of building the shit nest is then disassembling the shit nest when you're done. Because no one wants to walk into a bathroom, a, a, a stall, and see that. Like, what makes you... Obviously, you have to turn around in most cases to flush the toilet, okay? And even if you don't, let's say it's an automatic flush. So now you stand up. Fix, you know, pull up your pants, fix your belt, but, you know, obviously you turn it around to look because if you're not, there's a problem. You got to see what's going on just in case, making sure, you know, you don't forget something like drop your wallet or, or drop your phone or something. Maybe something came out of your pocket. You got to make sure. So you got to take a look back. And obviously, if you see the shit nest, what you should then do, clean up the shit nest 
flush the toilet again. But if you leave the shit nest there, if you exit the stall with the shit nest still intact on the bowl, you are a fucking sociopath and need to be dealt with properly. You can't fucking do that. There are rules in society. And one of those rules should be to disassemble your shit nest from the public stall before you vacate the premises. Patriots game the other day. Late in the game. Might have been might have been post-game. I can't recall. Had to pee. I'm in line. There's a stall on the other end of the of the bathroom. I'm like, fuck it, not wait for the urinals. I'm gonna go use the stall. I go in there, what's there? A shit nest on the toilet. Now, you're thinking, all right, what kind of crazy asshole takes a shit at Gillette Stadium? Okay, well, look, sometimes it happens. What can you do? I've never done it. Hopefully never have to do it. But somebody did. Built a shit nest, and it was still there. The problem with this particular shit nest is now it was a piss nest. Because it's disgusting. Uh, you know, peed upon toilet paper on the bowl. So it went from shit nest to piss nest to just a fucking mess. Not good. So in closing, if you build a shit nest, you need to tear down the shit nest when you're done. Thank you, signed, literally everyone. Great number three, I applied for a part-time job with Long Drink. If you're not familiar with Long Drink, you should be. Uh, this is a first-time event, free ad slash gripe, Long Drink. I love gin, huge gin guy. So naturally, I love Long Drink. And I've been on the Long Drink train for at least two years, if not longer. Uh, first time I saw it, Luke's Liquors, Rockland, Massachusetts, free ad, great liquor store. Uh, there it was, long drink, I saw it, read the box, it said gin, so I'm like, oh, try this, yoink. I got fucking, I got a ration of shit from folks, I'm like, what the fuck is that crap? Gin sucks, man. Well, guess what? Now it's the hottest fucking drink on earth. Right now, long drink. Yours truly was on a long drink train for a very long time. So they're looking for brand ambassadors. Uh, they're looking for basically hot chicks to, to hold their fucking, hold their cans. <laughs> oh, pun intended. And I hate fucking puns. Um, to hold the long drink cans at liquor stores to say, hey, try this shit. That's what they're looking for. But I mean, man. I sent them a great email talking about how much I love the brand, what I could do for them, all my ideas. I said, look, Long Drink should have a fucking podcast, rip off like hot ones where, you know, a bunch of people come in and it's just a conversation, host, guest, and you're just sitting there pounding Long Drinks. That's the whole fucking show. You're asking them questions. They're getting a little fucking tipsy on the Long Drink. Talking about how great the long drink is. 
It's a great fucking idea. I even put a link to this goddamn show. And here's the thing, okay? Long drink, if you're listening and you heard three gripes this week, dynamic three gripes. The rest of the show fucking sucked. But three gripes this week, fucking outstanding. I mean, honestly, the shit nest gripe is universal. Neighbors, universal. Long drink, soon to be universal. So look, if you know what's good for you, you'd reach out and you'd say, you know what? We need to break the mold here. We have far too many uh, attractive brand ambassadors. We need a short, fat, bearded guy who looks kind of like Gimli. Or who's the short, fat, bearded guy from Harry Potter? I don't know. Because I, you know, not a big Harry Potter guy. Hagrid, I think is his name. I don't know. Anyways, but short, fat. He's got long hair. They both had long hair. But that's what they need. Break the mold. Be different. Be bold. <laughs> that I mean, that's an ad. Be different. Break the mold, be different, be bold, long drink. I, that's probably already used by somebody else, but that's pretty good. See, there's the other thing. I'm gonna want I'm a wannabe ad man. Been saying that for fucking years. Anyway, that's it. That's all for the show. I've kept you guys for far too long. Uh the previous 40 minutes of this program have sucked. Just not been good. And I apologize. If you stuck around for three gripes, then you got rewarded with some some really fucking uh, top-notch material. I'd put these three gripes against any other three gripes. They were terrific. And I'm not afraid to say it. They were great. Um, I again ask... If you have a complaint or an observation of any kind, call it in 617-657-4736. rip them. I have a Twitter page at Complaints Pod. I have a Instagram page at Complaints Pod. I have a Facebook page with Fuck Facebook. I have a YouTube page and... I think I may be onto something with the YouTube page. Uh, yours truly spent some time last week uh, on a show called Hometown Hammers, which is part of the American Hammers TV network, um, talking about West Ham United. And it was fucking awesome. Had a great time. It was terrific. Um, but Katie, the host, used this um this program called StreamYard, where basically you have uh you can have people who are watching comment on what they're watching so it's basically a conversation uh, and i loved it i thought it was awesome and apparently it meshes nicely with youtube so as we continue down the road to 100 hashtag road to 100 
you know, I don't think I'm going to rent out a vet's club <laughs> for a live studio audience. Uh, I might do a streaming thing, but we'll see. You know, I might do a test run, see how it goes. You know, you, you just never know. The downside is when you have no audience, it makes it tough. But I think it'd be funny if I tried to do it with a studio, with an audience of some kind, not a studio audience. Although I'm currently doing it with a studio audience. There's no one here, here in the broadcast palace. But that's about the size of all my studio audiences, I would imagine, would be zero. So anyways, on to the hashtag road to 100 as we get to the 100th episode of the program. Uh... What else? Uh, I have a, uh, a website, complaintsandobservations.com. Com. No, complaintsandobservations.com. There's a blog. I've been blogging probably just as, as good as the show. So you can imagine how fantastic that is, right? Uh, check that out. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, that's probably it for the show. Uh, thank you as always. I do appreciate it. And look, I say this every week and I mean it with all my heart. Please hashtag tell your friends, hashtag tell your moms. Take care of each other. Nope, fuck that up. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Godspeed. Ta-ta.